0: Folks, if you haven't seen the man to my right, he is because it's been uh, 169 episodes since he was last. I don't want to say on that he was featured because episode 100 was a lot of audio clips. That was back in the day when I didn't care about recording all this stuff. And now you get to see this man's wonderful face. It is none other than the great state of Washington's best representative than Alex Larson. How are you, my friend? And a very belated Merry Christmas to you as well as we record the, the night after Christmas. Hey, happy,
1: belated, Merry Christmas to you, to everybody. I'm doing well overall. Can't complain with the sports teams, Huskies especially. This has been a dream come true year. Seahawks, I mean they're getting they're getting everything done that they need to get done essentially, but we'll worry about them later.
0: Yeah. Happy to be here, brother. So let's, let's just let's just jump right into the Huskies. You know, attack it like a dog on a bone. Because look. It's been a while building up. I know, like, I remember the last time we talked vividly because you're the one who opened my eyes to the Pac-12 and the red-headed stepchildness. And now, obviously, the conference is dissolving. Some teams are going independent with a Mountain West feel to them. Some teams are going Big 12. You guys, along with Oregon, USC, and UCLA, are all going to the Big 10. But I can say this is probably the best year of Pac-12 football we have gotten because you saw from an early jump point that there was at least, I would say, five good teams from the gate, and then a six that came along. Just for context, the five good ones were you guys, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Utah, and then Arizona has been quite the nice surprise this year.
1: Yeah, it's really unfortunate what has gone on with the Pac-12 and just the demise of it all. And seriously, that's been the joke. Just this whole part of the United States is, of course, the one year that the Pac-12 <laughs> is giving us everything, it's its final year. It's bogus. I'm very old school when it comes to college football. I'm not a big fan of what's going on with a lot of the NIL deals and a lot of the transfer portal stuff. But while we still have everything as we do right now, throwing all that aside for a moment, Pac-12 was great this year. Um, And we definitely saw Oregon whoop everybody's butt. USC, I mean, they fizzled out a little there towards the end, but still a dominant team. Yeah, we especially just, oh my gosh, first time ever that I've ever seen a 13-0 Huskies team. I mean, 12-0 was back in 91, so we have done some great things. Yeah, Utah's always dangerous. Uh, Arizona, good Lord, yeah, they they came out of nowhere for sure um and everyone else you know colorado we it's unfortunate again they're not going to be a part of the pac 12 but having dion come up was really big uh our little brother wazoo they started off hot and then yeah, they, they definitely fizzled out so really good teams though for the final year just really unfortunate how this all had to go down just the big dollar talks and the big dollar
0: talked and there you go And Oregon State was the other team as well that really kind of came out of its shell this year as well. I believe they were a nine or a ten win team. They, I remember the only thing I remember about the game they played you guys in was that it was just pouring rain and it was miserable weather conditions, like what a late November in the Pacific Northwest would be. Um, But no, like I get. So I'm a little bit different. So I get the NIL stuff from a perspective of the players making their own money. I'm not a fan of the transfer portal of how it's becoming like free agency. What we see in the NFL—I don't even want to say NFL. What it's like in the NBA, where when guys just just don't like the situation, they're going to force their hand out and go to somewhere where they think is a better hand. Like for example, Dylan Gabriel jumping from Oklahoma to go out to Oregon next year, and among other players, how a lot of guys that Dion's basically telling to this is my podcast because I could say this, but he's telling a lot of the players to fuck off if you don't want to be a part of my program, and I'm going to bring in the guys that I want. So I don't like it from that perspective. And then, two with the Pac-12 argument, how it's, look, we went over and even adding in teams, too, like Wazoo and Oregon State, who now, I think, can be very competitive in the Mountain West next year, because the Mountain West, I think, besides, like, Fresno State and a couple other teams, there's nothing really to, like, smile at. No, like, no offense to the Mountain West, but, like, we all know that it goes, like, you have the Power Fives, and then the Mountain West and the American are, like, right there where the competition's good, but you got some legit, legit teams coming in with true ballers on them, so... We'll wait and see what happens, but with your team overall, more than anything, it's really been, I know Michael Penix is the great quarterback, but I think what we've seen from Kalen DeBoer bringing in a culture, because we've seen that now in the NFL with one team in particular that I want to talk about, but in college, you need that culture building mindset to come in, to be positive, and you know what, hey, bring in the guys and know that it's going to take a couple of years, but once you get there, it feels pretty good, and I can tell right now, When you do this on Twitter all the time, and when you're doing that with me right now, it's got to feel pretty good, no?
1: This has been, like I said earlier, this has been a dream come true season. Uh, I got to, you know, strut my stuff. I was a UW graduate from 2018, uh, sat in the student section for a couple years, and 2016 was cool. Yeah, we lost the Bama in the college football playoff, but this right now. Is everything and more. And let me tell you something about Kalen DeBoer. I I came I came prepared with some notes. Oh, I love this. This guy knows how to win, Griff. This guy knows how to win. At Sioux Falls, from 2005 to 2009, the dude went 67 and three. When he was at Fresno State, we had the COVID year in there. But when he was at Fresno State, 12 and six at UW. So far, he's 24 and two. You do that math correctly. He is 103 and 11 as a head coach. The dude knows how to win. This is only a second year going into his third. So we're going to see how the recruiting factor comes into play. And yes, that transfer portal, we already have Will Rogers coming in next year to replace Penix. Of course, I'm sure there'll be some competition there. DeBoer just knows how to win. This is a team with so many guys who decided to come back. Roma Dunze could have been gone. Jalen McMillan could have been gone. Michael Penix could have said, I'm out of here. I'm good enough. They have so many guys, sixth year seniors, back for one reason, to win the whole dang thing. And so far, so far they're on, on par for the course.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Because like, another, I'm not going to try to pronounce this last time, but Rome's a player that so far in my pre-draft analysis that has really impressed me. And for you knowing my quarterback situation right now, Michael Penix Jr. is a guy that's on my very short list. Him and Daniels of who I really want the Patriots to target. So I'm very excited to watch. Like the Daniels, I've seen what I needed to see. But like with with Penix, I'm very excited to watch him go up against a Texas team because, in all honesty, I'm still in debating. Like the first game we'll get into, I think I already know who's going to win. I've said this from jump, but with your game, I don't know which way to go because you have two electric offenses going up against each other in texas and washington that honestly i think this is one of those games where it's going to come down to either the last play of the game who's got the ball last or the turnover battle and just whatever quarterback you know slips up a bit whether it's quinn ewers whether it's michael Penix. but so far what we've seen that and especially to in a game like the pac-12 championship Michael Penix Jr., when the lights shine brightest, he performs. We haven't seen that from viewers yet this year, as Texas did lose Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry game. But we've seen Michael Penix in that championship spotlight. Now, obviously, Texas won the Big 12, but they beat Oklahoma State, which it's not the same as beating. I'm going to do this because you're a good buddy who beat Oregon, but I'm making the O 0 because I know that's what you guys love to do. See, I come prepared. I know my, I know my waz- uh, my Washington facts. I was calling Wazoo for a second. Whoops, I was really bad. But, um, but you know what I mean. This like it's going to be fireworks in New Orleans next Monday night. Oh, it is. It it is. And the
1: Huskies love being the underdog. Every time we've been underdogs this year, which hasn't been a lot, but we always come prepared. We were underdogs against Oregon State. We were. Mammoth underdogs against Oregon in that Pac-12 championship. Nobody gave us a chance.
2: I didn't say publicly, but I love
1: the plus 10. I love the plus 10. Yeah, yeah. I was telling a lot of people, do the plus 10. Bet you, Dub. And, you know, I just think that this is going to come down to whoever has the ball last. Our defense is so wishy-washy. There have been times this year where the defense has showed up look at the arizona state game yes i know it's arizona state huskies won that game 15 to 7. i i believe Penix was sick we had some guys there was a flu bug going around the locker room and niche powell drives it all the way back for a pick six defense can show up when it wants to now look at the usc game that game was a barn burner 52 42 huskies make, prevailed make caleb williams cry yeah yeah boo-hoo caleb sorry buddy yeah I kinda of felt bad for him for a second, but I was too jacked up on juice to really care. Uh Oregon, yeah, there's a reason why you duck fans go like this. That's how many national championships you have. And have fun pumping your own gas, too. Uh oh wait. No, oh, you can't do that. Sorry. So uh this game is going to be a shootout, and it's really gonna come down to the line of scrimmage. Everything I've heard from this game is our O-line and their D-line. Because our O-line can protect panics like nobody's business panics rarely get sacked and there's a reason for that our o-line has just been dominant texas's d-line and their o-line both sides of the ball texas has an incredible extraordinary o-line and d-line now our d-line remember tuli latuli nasanoa and on the edge we got braylon trice and Zion Tula- 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 Tui, ZTF for short. Totally probably watched <laughs> that, Zari ZTF. Just say ZTF. It makes it easier. But right. our our R D line, it can show up. Offensive line has always been there. It's gonna come down to that battle in the trenches. That's what it's gonna come down to. And I totally think whoever has the ball last. There, I just as much as I wanna say my bias is gonna say Husky's got this. Texas is here for a reason and Husky fans watching this don't sit there and say well we beat him in the Alamo Bowl last year that was last year this is this year for a
0: meaningful game not just a watered down Alamo Bowl like the first responders bowl that I got on in the background featuring Texas State and Rice just because I like to have sports on while I do this um no I completely agree with you because when you have the dogs and then you have the horns it's And also, to the other thing, I'm thrilled by as well because I know Texas is good this as well. And there's a player in your team. I his name is slipping me, but the defensive backs against these receivers as well is going to be a battle to watch because we know both sides of the ball. There's a lot of explosive weapons on the offense, like Rome. um, What's his last name again? I just want to get to connect. Odunze. Rome. Rome. Odunze. Probably going to be a first round pick in the NFL draft this upcoming spring. Um, You have other like. uh, I believe it's number one on Washington. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know he's been making a couple big plays throughout the year for you guys. So Jabbar Muhammad, I think. That's it, Muhammad. Jabbar Muhammad. So, like, guys like that are going to be true X factors in this game. As much as I love a good trenches battle, and I feel like that's something that's very underrated and underappreciated in, in football, the fact that this game could be won two just by a DB getting their footing off by half a second or just, like, you miss the receiver by half a step and then it's just panics with the bomb and then... Rome's gone, or same thing with Ewers gets a bond one versus Seavers. They're gone. It's just it's going to be that battle too, to where fans of either team, it's not about who's first to crack, it's about who's last standing. This is because I know you're a big wrestling guy too. Shadow Edge is the best. This is a last man standing match. If you, there's a last man standing match of football games, that's what this is. That's literally what this is. And the line right now, I lo- I really like you guys at plus four and a half, especially after your underdog speech. But 63 and a half, I know everyone's like, oh, it's too much. No, y- you take it. You take 63 and a half and you just wait for the points to roll in. But as for who's going to win, so I'm going to say this to you. Now, I don't know if you're going to like it. My heart's saying Washington because I feel like it's the great story. But I think we're just gearing up for Texas to get into the national championship. I I, I just don't know which way to lean. Like, I don't want to – like, I'll wait and pick a winner. But that's just that's how I'm feeling about this. You know where there's like – that like the gut's telling me Texas, but then like the heart's telling me Washington. And I feel like at the end of the day, for as much as I think Texas can win this, I think you, you just gotta go, you gotta go with the story of the Huskies and what they've been able to do. Because look, Texas for years has been, and I know too, there's a very interesting rematch factor if it was Alabama versus Texas, because you have apprentice going up against Nick Saban, but a guy like Kalen DeBoer against either school from the Rose Bowl. It's all of that stuff. And you've you've pretty much swayed me now to where I'm gonna say this. I wouldn't be shocked if I to school were to win, but I think I gotta lean I think I gotta lean with you guys. I think I gotta go huskies in this game here to be in Houston come 13 nights from now.
1: Well, it sure would have been nice if we could go to the Rose Bowl. Travel would have been much easier going from <laughs> Seattle to Los Angeles, but we'll play the cards we're dealt. And I think all that's solid. And yeah, that that four and a half number, that's uh, you know, again, like I said earlier. Huskies were underdogs against Oregon State. Nobody thought, even though I know what you said about plus 10, nobody thought Huskies stood a chance against Oregon. We like the underdog, no pun intended, mindset. And this is going to get to DeBoer. You talk about experience and a half, man. I mean, the the schedule that we had, in fact, here I got the schedule right here. Ooh. Went to USC, Utah, Oregon State, Wazoo, Oregon. That, I mean, Pac-12 had its best greatest year and all the teams that we mentioned about how good the Pac-12 was every single one of those teams that I just mentioned we beat them wasn't close but a, or, or it was close it, it, it wasn't as wasn't as you know explosive in terms of a blowout that it would have liked to be in my eyes because Oregon got the, the the eye test Oregon passed the eye test well we still won our games we took care of business and it's also funny too because everyone's so focused on Penix everyone's so focused on Odunze and McMillan Dylan Johnson, our running back, whenever teams are prepped to defend our passing, we'll just hand the ball right to to uh, Dylan Johnson, who is a Mississippi State transfer, and he can be a big factor in this game, too. That's why I'm curious to see the trenches battle, because yeah. of Pennix. We are struggling a little bit with those uh, Texas corners, or our guys are having an off night, which, hard to say. Feed the ball to DJ, and we'll see what happens there. I'm going to be biased. I... I think we're going to win this game, but I am trying to take my bias out of it. I really, really think that these guys just have it so down and ready to go. Um, I could see 38-35, you know, one of those kind of scores. I think it's going to be really stinking close. But, boy, oh, boy, no matter what happens, everybody – I have had so much fun watching this team. I even just got done telling my mom, look, if we lose this game, if you have to just have – you just have to let me have my stomp my feet moment, just uh, maybe punch the couch for a second. But I'm not going to be as pissed as I normally would. I got to live through a 13-0 season, something we Husky fans haven't seen since 91 when they went 12-0. Proud as heck of my boys. So let's go, Texas. Bring it on. I got 38-35.
0: You You dumb. Because that's the thing that I love is the fact that like with fandom comes that sense of pride where it's, we've gotten this far. If we win, it's great. But if we lose, it's bad. Because I always say this too at the NFL, and I know this is kind of the spoiled kid talking here. But I've always said that losing a conference championship game hurts more than losing losing the Super Bowl. And everyone might talk, oh, you're crazy, all this stuff. But think about it. The Super Bowl... Your team made it to the Super Bowl. It still stings. It still sucks. I know. Infor- well, I'm not going to say unfortunately for my end, but I know you know how losing the Super Bowl feels, and I know my fair share of them too. But um, with this game, though, it's di- with college football. It's different because you've already won your conference. You've been you're at the top of the mountaintop. You guys are the top. You Hear dogs. that, Oregon? Sorry to interrupt you, Griffin. You hear yeah. that,
1: Oregon? We beat you not once but twice, baby.
0: And th- that's a thing too with that, where it's you beat your biggest rivals twice. You had a season – because, look, there's certain schools where it's – what you do is expected. Georgia, it's expected. Alabama, it's expected. Michigan now, it's expected. Ohio State, to a degree, it's expected. I would even say Oklahoma and Texas. It's expected to be at the top pinnacle. Meanwhile, for the teams in the Pac-12, it's always been like a revolving cycle the last few years. Like, Utah has really come on. I really like what Kyle Whittingham's done there. Um, obviously, look, I don't think that uh, – I'm playing another quarterback's name for them. Not not, not Bryson Barnes. Rising. Rising should never play in Pasadena again because I feel like every time he does, he gets hurt. Um, And that's not a knock. It's just a weird coincidence in the last two Rose Bowls, he's gotten hurt. But Utah's built such a solid program. USC, they brought in Lincoln Riley with a solid program. Chip Kelly. um, I know that, look, Oregon's a big rival, but what Dan Lanning has done there has been remarkable. Dan Lanning's built a true program. I know, I know. Jed Fisher, shout out for me and the Patriots. Same thing too with him. And then Kalen DeBoer in Washington. So you have all these teams now that when they go to the Big 12 and when you guys go to the pack, when you got the pack, when you guys go from the Pac 12 to the Big 10, it's not going to be a feeding to the Wolves like what I think we may see from an Oklahoma or Texas going to the SEC where, hey guys, you got to play defense. It's you have the competition there. Just be, look, you're going to be competing with the teams you already know. And then two teams like Michigan and Ohio State, you guys can go toe to toe with. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see the Big Ten as a dynamic next year. Considering too, you have other programs like Northwestern who went through a lot of stuff last year, and they had a decent season this year. They got a bowl. Like, in my opinion, I know college football. If you lose more than two games, it's considered a disappointment. But. For me, I think if you get to a bowl game, even if you're not like a, a mid-level program, it's still an accomplishment to get to a bowl, even if you're playing in, and I can't wait to see this one, I think it's Thursday, but the Pop-Tart Bowl, where there's going to be actual Pop-Tarts in the trophy. I, like, I, I popped for that. Um, but you, do you know what I mean? And do you agree with the whole Big Ten thing, where it's like, going back to your teams, all four teams are going to be very competitive with the rest of the Big Ten. Absolutely.
1: Oh, 100%. There's no doubt about it. Oregon is not going anywhere, despite what I may want and think they're not going anywhere usc that's such a sexy name in college football usc is not going anywhere i'm curious what happens with ucla because chip kelly he's kind of been on the hot seat so i think regardless though i think they'll be fine they may be the fourth best team of those four that are going in my book UW, though i gotta say is gonna be really interesting next year when michael Penix and Odunze maybe mcmillan we're losing a few guys like tule on defense we're gonna lose some big names i'm not gonna come on here and be all husky biased and say we're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine you want my honest opinion i can't sit here and promise you that we're gonna go undefeated again mm. next year i i could easily see a couple losses on the schedule now this isn't to say that will rogers coming in from mississippi state's gonna be bad he's probably gonna be great and put up amazing numbers I am very curious how it's going to go for us next year, losing Panix, losing some of these guys. Um, and as for the other teams and, and what you mentioned about how two two losses is like a disappointment and that whole spiel. No, there is nothing I loved more than when the Huskies won. What was it? The Zaxby's heart of Dallas bowl against Southern Mississippi back in was it 2014 2015 or whatever it was when when Chris Peterson we were finally kind of starting to come into our own if you know that you're going to be a team that's maybe you're rebuilding or you're maybe you're a year or two away yeah man hey it's more football I love more football you're telling me I get to watch my team one more time heck yes and you just kind of feel it when you win that bowl game you just feel it like okay we got something cooking here we got something going but then you got the transfer portal. I know kind of a weird transition, but the transfer yeah. portal. The amount of kids that have been transferring as bowl season is happening, this is where I don't agree with the transfer portal. You got these blowout bowl games like Syracuse getting their doors blown off. Eastern Michigan just getting their doors blown off. We got Which the holiday- this fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, yeah. Uh, the Holiday Bowl. Caleb Williams isn't going to be in that one, so that makes me want to pick Louisville over – sc for that reason alone so yeah uh, the transfer portal i know don't get me too started on it there's pros and cons with everything but no absolutely next season is going to be very interesting for us and this whole slew of everyone going to different conferences i'll be curious if mr uh mr deon sanders can keep it up outside the pac 12 that's next year is going to be interesting for him too
0: the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, excuse me, is losing its top candidates, and you also have basketball schools like starting to play good as well. Like, look, Duke's a good football program now. Kansas is a good football program now. Uh, the one thing I want to say about the whole Caleb Williams thing is, if players, and I know Sam Hartman's in this boat as well, which I don't know why my fiance is very attracted to him, and being like that's that's another story. But um, with the guys that are going to be going into the draft, I like I don't think Jaden Daniels is playing in his bowl game either. I know, too, Christian McCaffrey, which I know it's not a popular name for you right now. But when it's, when it's draft prep and you know you're good, because, like, I'd rather see you not play than... Do you remember the Orange Bowl two years ago when it was Georgia-Michigan and you could... Like, I could physically tell guys like Aiden Hutchinson were dogging it out there where they were, like, pro bowl level effort of we don't want to get hurt. Like, I'd rather see guys go blocking heads because the thing with college football is for a lot of these kids this is the highest level of football they're going to ever play in their careers. Cause remember only 1% of college footballers make it to the pros. So when I see guys out there that, you know what, Hey, like I'm watching rice right now and there might be a, for a guy I'm looking at my screen, cause I don't know any, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't know rice football. I don't think I, I don't really, I don't really pay much attention to the American or the Sunbelt conference, but, um, with a lot of those guys where it's like this may be this might be it for your football career so go out there with a bang even Washington too there's probably going to be a handful of guys I I'm, I I'm I probably don't know the names of to where probably unknown the next time they step onto the field in New Orleans Monday night it could be the last time ever for them so when it comes to these games you have to respect it because look for the guys going to the pros it's great but I look it out for the guy the little man where it's like for him this is going to be the thing he holds on to not like the kid who peaked in high school and who goes back and creepy league visits but this is going to be the thing you know what i'm talking about right like the pro athlete that tore his acl and now he's living in his hometown still Uh but the players who like they can go on and look back proudly and go yeah i played college football it's like me like I, I I I played a couple of years of high school football and I didn't do anything with it, but at the same time too, I can kind of look back and say, yeah, I played I played high school football. Um, I was a third third string defensive tackle, but that's another story for another day. So, yeah, um, I wanted to look at your schedule quickly. I also, wanted to look at uh, UCLA's as well, just because I was curious. So with you guys next year, like I got to look at your schedule. Weber State, Eastern Michigan, and then the Apple Cup is Saturday, September fourteenth, not on Thanksgiving. That is that is weird. Um, but i and oh, that's why they put Oregon. They, you guys close out with Oregon. But I'm looking at your schedule next year, and I'm like looking at it where I'm like, I can see three and O. Your first real test, I would say, is Michigan, October fifth, and then U USC, Penn State, UCLA, and Oregon. So you have that chunk in the middle where I think you guys are pretty solid, and then with U- UCLA next year, it's Hawaii. Indiana, LSU, Oregon, Penn State, Minnesota, Rutgers, Nebraska, Iowa, you guys, USC, and Fresno State to where I look at their game schedule too and I feel like I wouldn't be shocked to see them lose, I don't know, like to Indiana or they lose to like a Minnesota who – because Minnesota's very weird. I feel like they're either really good or they're not. That's just me. And that's, that's, that's my two cents. I just wanted to add to that. That's all.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. Row the boat, Minnesota. Row the boat. Keep that yeah. going. Yeah, I, I honestly, and this is so weird for me, normally I'm all for looking forward to next year, but I've just been so hypnotized by the college football playoff this year. I haven't taken too much of a glance at that schedule. Uh, that's 3-0 and right out of the gate. I mean, no doubt about it. And, yeah, the Apple Cup, now that Wazoo is a part of that, Mountain West, uh, that's why it got moved to, what was it, week three, I think you said, yeah. um, and Oregon since they're in the Big Ten Conference. So, I kind of like having Oregon as our last game. It's going to be very weird though. Uh, Just based off the teams that you mentioned though. And again, I just need to see a little bit more from uh, DeBoer with recruiting. This will be his third year next year and losing so many key pieces. Husky stadium is a tough place to play. And I'll be back there again, just renewed my season tickets again. So he'll get a couple more uh, octaves in terms of screaming, but Yeah, I just, I I can't be unrealistic. I just don't see a 13-0, 12-0 Husky team. I I think we may have a a nice warm welcome if you get my gist with some of these teams in the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State, great. Michigan, great. But then as you kind of go down that list of the Big Ten, it's like it's those two big boys up top. And then, yeah, you got some Rutgers in there. You know, Iowa. I mean, I know Iowa's defense is insane, but come on, you can't really score. I can't score. <laughs> it, it, that's just it. That's just it. Yeah. Rutgers, Iowa, you know, Indiana, Yeah, maybe. I mean, there, there are some very, very beatable teams in there that I could see the Huskies taking care of no problem. But I'm very curious, though, how they handle Texas and if we can if we can make it how we can handle Michigan and Alabama. I'll tell you this. If we at least make these games close, and of course, if we win, that's a big bonus. But this is gonna say a lot for how the rest of the team is gonna look next year. Again, no Penix, no Odunze. We're missing some pieces. But if these guys are buying in, they'll play anybody yeah. and they have the potential to beat anybody from the former Pac 12 or currently in the Big Ten.
0: That's just that that is just it. So like I just wanted to focus on that, but I understand you being tunnel vision to Monday night in New Orleans. And for all we know, you're either going to see Husky fans on New Orleans. You'll see them hammering Monday night on Bourbon Street. It's just a matter of if it's good or if it's a bad. Um, yeah. Moving on, though, to the Rose Bowl, which, look, I'm not sure how much wrestling you watch anymore, but the Rose Bowl is a game that I consider to be college football's WrestleMania. Now, I know there's a national championship, but every time you watch it, it's New Year's Day. The stadium just has an aura to it. Fowler and Herbstreet, which I will say this, they are my favorite football commentating duo. Same. That, that That's the thing. It's just Fowler's voice just it hits differently, and her, Herbstreet's Herb knowledge is just impeccable. If you I'll say this to a cheap plug. If you haven't read his book, Herbstreet's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. You learn a lot about him. It's like just the whole thing, the aura of it. And this is where I was saying to you where I feel like I know who's going to win. And I've had this winner since Jump. Alabama's going to Houston. I'm sorry, but here's the thing. I know Michigan's a good story. But what I saw from J.J. Like, here's the thing. I have yet to see an impressive show-me-something J.J. McCarthy game. They shelter him. They let Blake Corum do a lot of it. If we know anything about Alabama you're running into a wall on defense. You're not going to be able just to run the ball all over them, go for 200 yards. If you do that, you did the right thing. And the other thing, too, is – and I want to say this because I want to condemn the, commend this player. Jalen Milrow has impressed me from jump because going into the year, look, you had Tommy Rees coming in from Notre Dame. There was a lot of question marks surrounding him. Jalen Milrow was called a tree because, look, he was a tall, athletic guy, couldn't throw the football. They played Tennessee, I want to say, week seven. Or week eight. And that's the game where I look at him and I go, they've got something. Like him, Jermaine Burton's just a speed freak out there. Um, they got one of my favorite names, Shadow Kool Aid McKinstry. Um, They're the, Cadillac, I believe Cadillac Williams running the, no, I'm Cadillac Williams the coach, but I'm trying to remember the name of the running back but I'm blanking on it. But so that's my thing. Because of Michigan, and Michigan fans can come at me all they want. I know a handful of them. But if Michigan's going to win this game, you got to let J.J. McCarthy loose. It's like when you're at the dog. It's like being in a dog park and keeping your dog on the leash the entire time. You got to let the dog off the leash and let it go run around the park with other dogs. I'm sorry. That's how I view Michigan. And the fact, too, that Michigan is the favorite in this game, considering what Alabama did. And now I know there's the whole Florida State controversy there, which, look, if it were up to me, I would have put Florida State in at the four. But in all honesty, I don't know how Mike Norvell's squad would have done against Michigan Meanwhile, you put Michigan and Alabama in there. We're in for two electric games. And I'm that's why I'm just saying it. It's going to be roll tide roll because it's it's like the Patriots for years. You get Nick Saban in these situations, he knows how to win when the lights shine the brightest.
1: There's a, there's a lot of things that you said there that there's there's just so many nuggets that I just had in my head. So I'll just kind of backtrack a little each one. Uh, Florida State, I feel for them. I yeah. feel really bad. You go undefeated. I mean, that's the goal. You go yeah. undefeated and you get snubbed. Now, Alabama beat Georgia, who hadn't lost the game since NOM. I mean, Georgia just was completely dominating for years, and they still are. In a row. Exactly, they never lose. So Alabama, that was that was solid. Kudos, yeah. Florida State. I know this just sounds bad and it's not perfect. I wouldn't say it's not professional, but you're going to throw out your backup quarterback and your team was a little banged up there. I mean, that's just maybe, maybe you don't know if hindsight were 2020. I mean, we, we don't know. I do not think Florida state without having their quarterback. I don't think, I just don't think it's good TV. I just don't think it's good TV. Um, as for what you said about the Alabama Michigan game well don't let Michigan fans come at you cuz they were you know they're stealing signs and Jim Harbaugh a lot of that stuff there they they have no room to talk they got a little bit of a scandal going on um so don't sleep on Nick Saban do not sleep on Nick Saban at all this is going to be a very interesting game i i still i, I still don't even know who i'm going to have as the winner yet i haven't even thought about that one yet i am with you though i am leaning a little towards alabama but it's like god michigan's there for a reason too that's a jim harbaugh coach team again you take away the stein the science stealing stuff that's another topic but also another thing on alabama though luck was on their side though that iron bowl that oh
0: miracle god.
1: miracle against auburn i mean <laughs> you do want to talk about lucky and poor auburn fans so you know it takes a little bit of luck just like how it, you know it, it, with the huskies the mish powell runs back a pick six i mean i don't know if we beat arizona state and i don't even know if i'm on this podcast talking college football playoffs so there's a lot of luck thrown in there and yeah man i just i i can't Decipher who is going to win this game. It's a Jim Harbaugh coach team against a Nick Saban hungry Alabama team who just knocked off Georgia. I mean, you want to talk about a battle of the trenches game? Wouldn't it shock me if this game is a little bit more low, lower scoring
0: than our game. That's the thing too. I also thought TCU and Michigan last year is going to be lower scoring, and I was proven wrong very fast. Uh, Roy Dell Williams, by the way, was the running back I was thinking of from Alabama. That's really come out. Um, I know it's a Jim Harbaugh coach team. It's just, like I said, it's the Nick Saban factor. It's the Rose Bowl factor. It's the Michigan. When you look at them, like I always view Michigan like this. When they beat Ohio state in 21, which actually I'm going to go off on an ADD note. I'm not totally upset with Auburn fans or Alabama in that sense, because look, they had to wait 10 years to get their wish wash back. Let's say Chris, Chris Davis and all that stuff. I'm just going to throw the name out there. Chris Davis. Um, But here's the thing with Michigan. 21 when they beat Ohio State. I was like, awesome. Good for you guys. You won the Big Ten. You did that. But then we were talking about how Aiden Hutchinson was dogging it. And I feel like that's what they were like. You know what? We'll lose to Georgia. We're okay with it. It's no big deal. And then last year was the year where I was like, okay, this is the year you got to go get it done. Bama's not there. There's no other. I know Georgia was a big dog. I know Ohio State was in there as well. But look, you took care of Ohio State in Columbus. He took care of Iowa in Indianapolis. And then when it mattered most, J.J. McCarthy couldn't get it done in Phoenix. That's where i look at this game. Jalen Milrow, like I said, he went into Auburn and won the Iron Bowl to Isaiah Bond on one of the craziest fourth and goals you'll ever see. He went into Atlanta and beat the team. They were David. How rare is that? That Alabama is David. And they slayed Goliath. That's the thing. They went in there and made Carson Beck, who's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL one day. He's got the intangibles. Georgia too, I feel like Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles Jr. Um, They have all the tools. And then what does Alabama do? They go in there and they completely shut them down. I know the score is close. And here's the other thing too that we've come to learn. Don't fade Nick Saban as an underdog. That's the other big piece to this as well. Whenever Nick Saban is a betting underdog, except for the the 21 national championship, not the one they beat Ohio State and the one they lost to Georgia, in, um, that's where it comes into play. It comes into play, you know, where experience benefits him. For all, in, And also, too, it's the fact that if Michigan had beaten Ohio State the way they did in Ann Arbor to win the Big Ten championship instead of just taking care of an Iowa team that – Look, Alex, you and I could go out there and play, and we'd probably score points for Iowa. Um, yeah, exactly. We'd be, we'd be, we'd be on there. Uh, we can, we can wave. I, I'm, I'm not going to make fun of the wave. It's a, I think it's a wonderful tradition they do at that university. Um, but with Michigan, it's like I said, if they're going to win this game, it's not like you guys were. it's who comes down to it last. It's can JJ McCarthy make the big play when it matters most? You have a third and fifteen on the Alabama thirty. You're down 30 to 27, or you're down 30 to 24, and you got to go out there. Show me something, JJ McCarthy. That's what I'm going to say with this, this game. It, it comes down to him. I think it, it ultimately is going to come down to can JJ McCarthy win the big one when the lights shine brightest? Because so far, that's his only loss.
1: Hey, and a fun fact for you I don't have the exact year, but did you know that the wave was started at the University of Washington?
0: Ooh. You know uh, the one talking
1: about the Children's Hospital one, though. Oh, that way. Oh, see, there's two yeah. different waves. Yes, that wave is us. That wave that you're talking about, yeah. I do like. I am yeah. a big fan
0: of. Um, yeah. Not the wave that at baseball games I want to kill myself for. Uh, the <laughs> Yeah, we started that one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> In football, it's fine. In football, is fine because everyone's having a fun time. Baseball, it's – because here's the difference, because I know we're both big baseball fans here. You're, you're a Mariners fan. I'm a Jays fan. Ugh. The wave is usually started, at least at Jays games, by some drunk idiot who's just – there to think that he's cool and popular and I'm trying to watch the game and everyone's going. Woo! I'm just like, please stop it. Cause then something, it's, and then if you do it and then you miss something and then it's like, guys, what the hell? Like it uh, looks I cool know. for TV, but at the same time it was just, Ugh. no, so not yeah. that, not, not woo. It's the, the wave to the children's hospital. I was about to say like, oh, we can wave. That's why I said it. But at the same yeah. time, so I, I held it back just because it is a very nice tradition just to do for the, for the children at the, I don't know what the name of the hospital is, but it's, it's a very beautiful tradition. But yeah, that's going back to my point from before show me something J.J. McCarthy
1: no absolutely and you're I mean you know I don't uh, have as much knowledge and brain power as uh you know I do as my Huskies but for Alabama and Michigan J.J. McCarthy it's going to come down to him uh you know again don't don't fade Nick Saban uh, in terms of him being an underdog it, it's just going to be big boy football that that's as much as I can put it right there it's going to be big boy football
0: It's going to be Chess, not checkers. It's that it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, But I didn't put them in the scoreboard, but we actually have like a bunch of interesting, not interesting, but a bunch of good matchups coming up late, like in the next little while. Now there's some that are kind of like mad, like the one I was actually turned it off the um, Rice and Texas game, the Texas State game. But like Louisville, USC tomorrow night, um, North Carolina, West Virginia. Okay. AM, and Oklahoma State. Okay, there's a lot of bad games in here. North Carolina State versus Kansas State, which Kansas State's another school that's looked good recently. Uh, Arizona, Oklahoma, and the Alamo Bowl, um, which if life indicates anything, that could be very well a semifinal preview for next year. Yeah. Um, uh, But, like, when I look at some of these games, like, I want to focus on New Year's Day because Oregon versus Liberty is a game I'm interested to see for one factor, and it's, does Oregon get up for this? Because, obviously, Liberty... Conference USA champions, but Oregon's like, it's like the sour taste in your mouth because you lost to Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, so I'm excited to see if they get up for that, and then obviously, uh, Iowa versus Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl, like, I like just just watching, like, those random, those random bowl games, like, because I always say this too, with bowl games, I want to get your opinion, if you're playing before Christmas, that's where it's like you just put the bad schools in. If you're playing after Christmas, that's where it's like, hey, you did something this year.
1: 100%. Yeah, that that's how I've always been to that. That literally is exactly how I've thought for as long as being a college football fan. Anything after Christmas, that's legit. And now that the college football playoff starting next year is going to go from four to 12, that's going to make things a little bit more interesting because all these bowl games that we've had for so many years, they're just watered down. You said it best about the Rose Bowl. It is. It's like the WrestleMania of college football. But now it's like the Rose Bowl. If it's not included in the college football playoff, it's just another bowl game. It just, it's, it's, there's too many. It's all for money purposes and sponsorship. So I don't want to see bowl games get eliminated because I do, like all of you, big football fan but if you're not in the top four or next year and from year on out, the top 12, you're just playing for a trophy and bragging rights. And it's just like, ah, oh, I just hate, again, I'm very old school in that regard though, because I just, there's so many teams that do deserve to go to bowl games. You won six games, you won seven games. Okay, good. You know, it's almost like a little participation trophy, but still you got something to play for. But if it's like you said, if it's not, if you're not playing after Christmas, yeah, good job. Good luck in your bowl game. But everything is just so much better after Christmas. And next year is going to be really fun. So so we won't have, I mean, 13 and 14 and 15 are going to get talked about, like how 5, 6, and 7 are in terms of the college football playoff. So it's going to be really interesting to see when the 12 teams go in next year and how that factors into all of these bowl games. Are we eliminating them? Do some of these other middle-tier bowl games games become more upper echelon because we have to fit a few more teams in
0: there i don't know but it's going to be fun so here's my thing on the whole 12 thing 12 thing 12 team thing four for me it's like goldilocks and the three bears 12 oh this porridge is too cold 12 oh this porridge is too much Eight. this porridge is just right i feel like if they had done eight teams it works out better I like the format that they're doing. The only thing is, and I know some people are saying, oh, you're going to get some upsets. No, no you're not. You're, ge- you're going to get maybe an upset once every I think, maybe few years. I want to say five, but I, I want to be a little fair. Because, uh, like, say, for example, I don't know, if, like, a Texas is playing a Penn State, Texas is going to take care of them, no problem. Because Penn State, what do they, what do they struggle with most? Beating big teams. Their two losses this year were Ohio State and Michigan. Um, USC, same thing. Because, like, USC, they lost to you guys. They lost to, who the heck's the other loss? USC. Um, there was one bad one in there. Um, they lose to Oregon? They may have. They may have. But, you'd like, you like, do you get where I'm coming from? I feel like with the 12 team. Because, yeah. like, like, you know what? Just just for fun, let's look at the, actually, uh, AP 25, top 25. Okay, so, say if 5 versus 12 is Alabama-Oklahoma. Mm uh this is not the top this is not the playoff 25 this is just the associated press one uh six versus 11 georgia and old miss okay uh okay so the only one i see here is oregon and missouri like it could be a fair comp but like it could be a fair game but i feel like with these bowl games guys say because i know how they're doing it where and also i like it for this factor that it's not a bowl game but it's being played on the better team's home campus so it's a yeah. legitimate home game. That's the factor that I like into it, that, hey, these teams get one more game in their home stadium. So, yeah. yeah. And I also, do. I don't think there's going to be as much political controversy as there is with 5, 6, and 7 as 12, 13, 14, 15 will be. Because I feel like with the 4, it's kind of that whole, you have some very deserving teams. Meanwhile, with 13, 14, 15, by that point, you kind of know who's in, who's out. And also, too, you're not going to get March Madness because... The truly good programs are wired differently than the truly good basketball programs, like Gonzaga, um, where <laughs> they actually know how to beat competition that's at their level. Meanwhile, Gonzaga, I, I say it every year, everyone's like, oh, watch for the Bulldogs win the national championship. And I'm like, they don't know how to beat good teams. They play in a bad conference. And so when they have to face someone legitimately good, chances are they're going to lose. So that's my qualm with the 12-team playoff. It's just that if you had done eight, it would have been the perfect amount to where you can get some teams that fool around and get an upset. Like, say for example, if it's like a like a Georgia versus a Penn State or even a Florida State against Penn State, that's a very exciting football matchup. Or even too, if you get like Oregon and Ohio State going at each other, that, those are very fun football games that can go either way. But when you get a five versus 12 and the five is so much better than the 12... it's, 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 there's going to be some blowout games. There's going to be some games that are just going to be bad and you're going to have to hold your breath through them for for 60 minutes.
1: Sometimes those games though, have the potential, like as they say on college game day, a lot like, Oh, so-and-so will stick around for the first half of the game. You know, maybe it'll be like a 23 to 16, 23, 13, just some score like that where "Eh, it's close, but then you do see that the better team, Second half adjustments have been made. You you know the game's getting close to being over by the end of the third quarter, you know.
0: Yeah, when twenty-three to sixteen is forty-five to six. Uh, no, let's do a proper score, twenty-three. Uh forty-four to six you snap your fingers and it's like forty-six to sixteen. You know, whereas Exactly. Us? seven exactly. point lead seven point deficit becomes a thirty point deficit, and that by that, that point it's kind of just pack your bags and go home and just finish the game out so no one gets hurt. Um, You also mentioned, I just have to say, you mentioned Gonzaga. Huskies knocked
1: off Gonzaga a few weeks ago. First time in 18 years we beat Gonzaga. Thank you very much. That is on the other side of this beautiful state of Washington. I don't go over there. So good job, dogs.
0: I I just wanted to say that just because, like, I know Gonzaga is always that perennial example. And also because with college basketball, like how you get through Kentucky or schools like that where they don't necessarily always run the table, like, Kentucky two years ago lost to St. Peter's. I just feel like you're not going to see some random Cinderella story come up like how we saw. Let's just put give a fun example. Do you remember when you, Central Florida a few years ago went like 13-0 and 0 and then they were yeah. like the uncrowned National Championship? You yeah. put that team against Alabama that's not even a competition that year. I'm sorry. It's not because certain programs are built NFL ready, which are all the Power Five, including you guys. Like They're built to be ready for the NFL. Meanwhile... Programs like Central Florida, they may send a couple players here and there, or they're players that go play in the USFL or the XFL or the CFL, which, not a bad thing necessarily. That's not the thing, I think, with covering the league. But certain programs are wired differently in that they have players that are 18 that look like they're 35, and there's a reason for that. Exactly.
1: Yeah, those, those matchups could be fun. And, oh, yeah they, yeah, they look okay, but, yeah, that ain't – that's uh... – this ain't March madness like you said man no they'll they'll keep it close for the first half and like you said yeah we'll see an upset you know every few years maybe but yeah you just know those it's been it's been the top 4 for many years for a reason i always just feel bad for 5 and 6 it's just like ah what else could you have done but you know who the top 4 teams are and that's why again i think florida state going back to them they didn't have their starting quarterback. And if I remember correctly, their backup quarterback wasn't even playing that game. I
0: think that's the team. Yeah. Ooh, folks, we did lose Alex for a split second there. Oh, there he's back.
1: We still here? We're good? Okay. We're dark for a second so Florida State. Yeah, yeah, you just didn't have the team that should have been in there due to their quarterback just not being able to start, so
0: that's 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 just it that's the million dollar thing with with all with all this Uh, Griff did I lose you oh you're good we're good you just slipped for a second um but obviously now I want to go back to the NFL because week 16 we saw look there was a lot of interesting games you you guys won my guys won Alex's Mike's Alex's video is back on now um but with week 16 I want to talk about one thing in particular and Not even the week as a whole, but I want to talk about your... Do you still hear me? Do you hear me? Okay, so guys, uh, we're still trying to figure stuff out on the end of Alex, but...
1: Hello, Griff. You there? the end of me...
0: Oh, yes, I am. Yes, sir, I am here. So I actually wanted to go into something, because I had a question for you about your football team in particular.
1: Shoot, I'm afraid to leave. What happens
0: if I leave? I have a brilliant idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something right now. It's not ideal, but I've done it before and it works. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to
1: I'm
0: gonna I'm just gonna take them off for a second, guys. Vamp, we're having some technical difficulties. It is what it is. But as you guys know by now, and as well, because I have to do this, because it's for the brand, it's for the podcast. But whether you're betting on the NFL this weekend, whether you're betting on college football this weekend, you know what you guys can do? You guys can go and scan the promo code, QR code underneath me as me and the boys by down by two have something going for you. Scan that code, sign up, and they will match your first deposit of up to $400. So whether you are betting on the NFL this weekend, whether you're betting on college football in the college football playoffs, you want to ring in the new year with some cash, hook it up with the friends at Bodog. And we're bringing them back in, guys. Alex is back in. Let's hope we have everything going right. Can you hear me, sir? How are we doing? Ooh. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I I have to do this, unfortunately. I'm going to vamp for a few minutes, okay? I'm going to vamp. There's also some other promo codes, but I'm not sure um, what they're doing as I... Ooh. Okay. So see, this is how this goes.
1: Somebody tried calling me and it all screwed up. Oh. I
0: am so sorry. Now we know what happened. See, a little kick out sometimes yeah. does a lot of good work. I got to get a good promo in there though, so it's all good and dandy. Um, if you can, can hear, I hope you're able to edit that. Oh, you know what? I don't edit. I go live to tape, even if the, be- the best of times, the worst of times, and if you're a Simpsons fan, the blurst of times. Um, so I have a question for you about your football team, your NFL yes. football team oh please bring it on the last news. i know it's been a bit of a rocky road the last few weeks but the last let's call it last eight days have been pretty good getting the big win on football against the eagles going into tennessee and taking care of the titans my question for you is who is qb1 come september 2024
1: somebody that is not on our roster right now uh well, I would, I would love to say Michael Penix, but I don't think he's going to be there. And I don't even know if we have the good offensive line for him. Um, it's going to be Jaden Daniels, Bo Nicks, if they're even still there, any one of these rookie quarterbacks, Gino. Uh, you know, I like the guy I do. I just, I'm, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with the guy. I don't even know if we're going to win a playoff game with the guy. I have loved the story. I've loved everything about his comeback story that that he's brought to the Hawks. And yes, some of you may be thinking, "Well, don't you want to sit your rookie quarterback and, you know, let Gino do his thing? I know we still have him under contract." Yeah, but this is just where my patience level is at having so many years with Russell Wilson. Oh gosh, I don't know if I can really answer that yet, yeah, but I don't think it's anybody that's on this team right now. I'm going to bank on a rookie quarterback.
0: So here's my thing, and I know this for a fact. The Geno Smith contract was built so there is an out after this season. This, John Schneider's done a good job with that. He can do the contract. He can rejig it. So you know what? Geno Smith can get cut. Otherwise, I believe it's a $28 million payday that he's owed fully guaranteed. Drew Locke's always been a quarterback I've been skeptical of. He looked really good Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles when it mattered most. I'm with you in the sense of Geno, where last year the story was great, but by December last year we started to see – how do you say this? You started to see the trees fall from the leaves. You know, you started to see the true Geno come back to earth, where he was losing some games, like the San Francisco game. It was a Thursday night in Seattle – and then the playoff game, obviously, look, it didn't go your guys' way. I think it was like 45 to 23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then this year, too, gets off to a rocky start with the, loss in El- with the loss of the Rams. But then you went to Detroit and took care of the Detroit Lions, a team this year that's has proven, which I got to send out my congratulations to them. I was hard on them, but I was only hard on them because there are all these just anal- analysts who like to give – Foolish takes every year and just fire off hot takes. And it works. They make a lot of money off doing so. But because of all that, where everyone's saying, Detroit's going to win the North, they're going to do all this. I'm like, guys, they haven't done anything yet. And Dan Campbell's built a program to go out there and win. So all my kudos to them. But for you guys, I just think, and especially too, it's the losing streak that occurred during November. Like the lost LA, getting your whooped by San Francisco twice in a three-week period. But if he yeah. had like one, like the Dallas game on the Thursday night, which I will say, in one of the more better looking throwback uniforms on the season, and you guys, I was always a fan of those. Agree. Um, but that's my thing with the Geno Smith thing, where it's not boyfriend material, but he's a friend zone material, if that makes any sense. I know it's a very weird metaphor, but it's that sense. The way, though, I will say this if he can stay is if you get to the playoffs and you win. I know I just sent my kudos out to them, but. Your defense can hang tough with a lot of these teams. Reek Wollin is a hell of a Um, Jamal Adams, that's another situation for another day. I, <laughs> um uh, Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Devin, Devin Witherspoon, uh, D-Roy candidate. I don't know if he's going to – I feel I feel like Jalen Carter is probably going to win the award, but Devin Witherspoon is a great draft pick. JSN has been looking really good on the offensive side of the ball. Because that's the thing right now. If you guys can sure up the offensive line, Charles Cross can continue to develop into a proper tackle – And you get some tight end help because I know you've got Will Disley, but Will Disley, and I'm blanking on how long the other tight end is because I don't – Noah Fant and Colby Parkinson. Colby Parkinson, that's right. Because I know there's – Colby Parkinson, that's right. There's Noah Fant too, and I always said this for the Russell Wilson trade, and I'm like, I don't know why Denver's getting rid of him. But if you can get, like, you know, a true tight end one to go in there along with Parkinson and Fant because Fant's a good tight end, but, like, you need, like, you know, that, like – that great tight end that we see, or even to if you want to go draft someone, like if you're there and Brock Bowers is available, go scoop up Brock Bowers. Um, So if the Seahawks can do that, they can stay competitive because when I look at your division, I look at it like this. I know they lost, but San Francisco is still ahead, honcho. I feel like they'll take care of Washington. No problem. Yep. You guys in LA are kind of in that weird mix where you need like the quarter. you got to answer the quarterback question for the future because look, LA, I am impressed by what they've been able to do this year with such a young roster and just finding those nuggets of gold late in the draft. And then there's the little red bird in the desert, which I don't know what way they're going to go. If it were up to me, you keep Kyler Murray because it's a disgusting dead cap hit if you release him. So with Seattle for now, if being a wildcard team every year can be successful or if you guys can win out, which. Look, you guys have one of the more exciting games in the 4 o'clock window because the 4 o'clock window this week is disgusting. It's you guys against Pitt- Pittsburgh, Denver, L.A., and Cincinnati, KC, which was a promising matchup seven months ago, but now it's ugh, like the 1 o'clock window is good. you got Buffalo, New England. You've got, you got Miami and Baltimore. Uh, there's a couple other games that I'm blanking on hard right now, uh, but you have a lot more games in that window with playoff implications. Meanwhile, Your game was the only game at the 4 o'clock window with real playoff implications. I only say that because, look, Kansas City, we all know they're going to win their division. They finished playing Jake Browning and Leeson Stick. If they can't beat either one of those quarterbacks, there's something wrong there. So we'll see what happens. But that's just my take on Seattle, where fix the quarterback situation. And I think everything will fall into place. And also I'll say this to you guys losing. um, Also to Shane Walgren. Where do you guys stand on him right now?
1: I'm ready for him to go. I'm, I'm ready for him to go. Seahawks Twitter is not too far behind me. You know, we were promised this guy that was going to bring, you know, innovative play calling from L.A., and I just haven't seen a lot. I just haven't <laughs> seen a lot. Um, could I see him being back next year? I could, but I wouldn't be happy about it. Now, you pretty much said everything that Seahawks Twitter and Seahawks fans like myself you hit the nail on the head. We've got a good team. I'm not going to sit here and say we have a great team. We have a very good team. Yeah. It's the quarterback position. I love Geno. I love the story, but I just don't think you can ho- hoist a Super Bowl trophy. Drew Locke, okay, that game against the Eagles was fun, but let's be honest. You take away the last two minutes of that game, it was a Drew Locke game. It was very oh okay um we have a very good team i i really do i think we have a good team we're we're nowhere near san francisco is and i hate saying that because i really don't like san francisco they're so stinking good they have weapons all across the board but at the same time though i feel like we do too metcalf lockett smith and jigba Noah Fan, you know tight end right there you know, Will Disley and Parkinson, like you said, yeah, you know, they could be better. Yeah. Kent, Ken Walker. We got a nice rookie in Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. We haven't even played the dude, our, our rookie running back from, uh, from Georgia, uh, McIntosh. We haven't even played him yet. Uh, defensive side of the ball, I think there's a couple things that need to be tweaked there. Our defense, kind of like the Huskies, our defense can show up when it needs to. But on a whole – our defense is just middle of the pack for those, you know, games that, you know, we should be, we should be fine in. When I say we should be fine, like, why are they giving up a touchdown? Like, like the Tennessee game, the defense did well, but they gave up that touchdown with about four or three and a half minutes to go. And it's like, really, you guys, are you kidding me against Ryan Tannehill? Cause I didn't really think that Gino was going to, do what he did and come back. So, our defense has the potential. I'm done with Jamal Adams. When he tweeted at that reporter about his wife, I was done there. Uh, when he covered Ferguson, and I say covered in huge air quotes against Ferguson and the Cowboys, I was done there. The dude is just a big crybaby talker. I'm done with him. Bobby Wagner has been such a nice surprise in terms of coming back and playing well. You know he's lost the step, though. He's totally lost a step. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, oh, my goodness. The more that, that kid plays over the course of his years, wow, what a story he's going to be. We just need to continue to find guys to sack the quarterback. We got Draymond Jones. We got Leonard Williams. We got Jaron Reed. Uh, we lost in Nuosu, which is why we brought in Leonard Williams. I think Pete and John, those guys, have done really well with the defensive line. But, man, we, we're still needed just one more difference maker. And then I really think that this defense can be something great.
0: That That's just the thing. It's just like you're at the precipice where it's like good, not great. And that's where you don't want to be in the NFL. Because in my opinion, you either want to be at the top of the mountain, like where San Francisco is, or you want to be where my New England Patriots are, at the bottom of the mountain, where it's – you retool and reshape. But teams in your situation, it's different because it's not like how do I say it? it's not like a New Orleans, you know, where it's like you're you're fake good. It's we know it's like the thing, how do I say this? It's the dumb student that you know has untapped potential. It's the you're making mistakes you shouldn't be making. It's the week in and week out we expect you to do good, but you don't. So it's that just weird little dynamic. Meanwhile with you guys it's what I just said. It's the go out there and prove people wrong dynamic. It's the go out there and win games. It's not the get swept by the LA Rams. It's not the only, or go one and four in divisional play this year, potentially probably two and four in divisional play. Because I think in order to have a successful season, you got to win at least three divisional games. If you can split divisionally three and three, it's fine. Anything worse is just, it's a man, it's a massive red flag of accomplishment for any NFL team. So that's where I stand with your team where it's, hey, a couple quick fixes and you're kind of back to normal. It's not just do a couple things and then you're back. It's like a couple things and it's like, hey, it can go south. No, I think it's you can kind of stand there and toe to toe with the best of them. It's just for next year, I'm already intrigued by next year because there's a couple of teams that are middle of the pack that I can see being very competitive next year. So that's the thing. It's just it's all about keeping up with the competition at this point.
1: And I'm not going to be this guy. In fact, I really hate being this guy. But the NFL, it just comes down to one or two plays. I really think that if Geno Smith against Cincinnati can just find a way, we're what, five, ten some odd yards away from getting a touchdown, we beat Cincinnati. If the referees don't go stir flag crazy with penalties that Dallas game, we probably win that game. If Gino doesn't get hurt against the Rams in LA and Drew Locke has to come in and I'm not going to dog Jason Myers for missing that. What was it? 57, 58 yard field goal. I'm not going to dog him on that. That's a tough kick. I don't care. 58. That's tough. 57, whatever it was, we were three, And even that San Francisco game, I mean, well, not the first one on Thanksgiving, but the second one, if just a couple more things go our way, we're right in there in the thick of things at top of the NFC West, but that's the belly of the beast. That's NFL for you. But man, the Hawks this year, they have just been inches away on so many plays and possessions and games, and it's just uh we could be there but that's why I really think if we take care of Pittsburgh we take care of Arizona I'd really not like to play San Francisco like how last year we had to play them their first game in the in the wild card round we beat Detroit we hung right in there with Dallas we beat Philadelphia albeit in Seattle I'm not too concerned about Tampa Bay now that I just said that you know something will happen down the line I think we can beat other than San Francisco I'm ready to fall on that sword. I think we can beat any team in the playoffs right now. It is a bummer, though. Like you said, though, man, you can't go one and four in your division. Sean McVay, Pete, I love you. Sean McVay knows how to beat Pete Carroll. And Shanahan with the 49ers, they're just on another wavelength for us. But I tell you, you knock off Steelers, you knock off Arizona, that's a four-game winning streak you're riding into the playoffs. And those teams that are in the playoffs as we speak, we've hung in there toe-to-toe with them. So...
0: Anything's possible. It's like this weird revolving cycle of how Kyle Shanahan knows how to beat McVay. McVay knows how to beat Carroll. But everyone knows how to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Um, And for some reason, uh, Pete Carroll knows how to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know what's... I didn't realize that until, like, the week of that game. I didn't realize how successful you guys were against them. So, kudos to you on that. But, yeah, because that's the thing. Like, when I look at you guys with Detroit... And also, too, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but I want the Detroit Rams matchup in the playoffs. For Matt Stafford to go back to the Detroit yeah, and fair. either lose or just rip their fucking hearts out. Because that's what one of the two things that would happen is. And then with a game like Philadelphia, yesterday did not give me any confidence that they're back to being what we thought they were. I think they remind me a lot of the – do you remember the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers? The COVID years? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They went undefeated and then they lost to Washington and the cracks started to show. I feel yeah. like after the San Francisco game, the cracks really started to show. So for them, like even this weekend, I'm looking at some of the early spreads and they're like a 13 and a half point favorite against Arizona. I know it's Arizona, but like I look at that and I'm just like, you guys were the same against the Giants and Tyrod Taylor nearly beat you if it weren't for bad clock management. So... Because that's the thing with Philly, too. Philly's been getting away with a lot to where it's kind of... A lot of NFL teams are having this, you know, where it's like the clock striking midnight on them. Meanwhile, you get a team like Buffalo where, look, they're getting hot at the exact right time. They went in and they beat Kansas City. They went in and, you know, they handled Dallas. Because that's the other thing, too, I'll say with Dallas. Dallas is going to win a playoff game. Or they're gonna lose, and the what? Just whenever it happens, Dallas is gonna lose, and it's gonna be hilarious. I also didn't realize until today that did you know that the last before twenty sixteen Dallas haven't won a playoff game in twenty years? I completely blank on that. Jeez. Oof. No. Don't, don't wow. feel bad for them. Just, it's the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I know, but still, man, that's just a statistic that just it. Like, I'm even scratching my head. Like, is that that's that's real? That's
0: totally real. It's it's totally real, but then like going back to the point of the whole your conference, because when you look at the conference as a whole, like I, I still think San Francisco's gonna get the bye. Like I said, they're gonna re they're gonna rebound. They got they have the teams they have to beat. But then right now what I'm looking at are actually playoff pitcher. So if it were to end today, you guys would go to Philly, the Rams would go to Detroit, and the Cowboys would go to the Buccaneers. I don't know if it were to happen, but you could easily see a a world where two road teams win the NFC playoffs. I think it's that wide open. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again,
1: you know, having a healthy Geno and healthy Devin Witherspoon, and I know you're going to Philly. We've hung with Philly tough, man. You know, even with Drew Locke as our quarterback. And, yes, I was at that game. The 12th man definitely knows how to pump crowd noise in there, no doubt about it. But we can hang with them, no doubt about it.
0: Um, but on the road, you're going to have to rely on, uh, I've seen, there's one guy I've seen on Twitter, uh, Captain Seahawk. Oh yeah. That like, he just goes and I love diehard football fans. I could never do it. I'm like, I consider myself a diehard fan. I think you consider yourself a diehard, like a diehard Seattle sports guy, but I don't know if I could travel for football to every single road game. That's just like, you gotta, you gotta have a good job to get away with that
1: exactly i'm not looking to go into that much credit card dad no i'll be happily watching from my house
0: so per football database by the way i'm just looking this up right now the last time that the philadelphia eagles defeated the seattle seahawks was november 2nd of i'm gonna let you guess the year sweet good lord well i was
1: born in 94 let's go with 94 just for kicks
0: uh, a little bit sooner than that. It was a 26-7 to 7 win on November the 2nd of 2008. So it has been almost okay. six. Okay. Think about this. If, to, to age you and age me who just was now – this is my first podcast, by the way, folks, since turning 30. Hey. Um, I... The fact that the last time they beat them, I was in the 10th grade. So it has been 15 years since that. So just let's just put that into perspective. Because every game since, Seattle has won 31 to 14, 24 to 14, 26 to 15, 24 to 10, including a wild card win in Philadelphia not even five years ago. That playoff, yeah, right. I'm trying to remember what happened to you guys in the next round of the playoffs. I think you lost to, did you lose to Green Bay that year, 2020? Yeah, we we, I know for a fact we
1: have not made it past a divisional playoff game since that. 2014 Miracle nope. Packers game. I know for a certain fact we have not made it past the divisional round since then.
0: I'm sure to remember 25th, 2020 because I remember that was San Francisco against Green Bay in the NFC Championship game that year. I remember that was the playoff I remember. I think, yeah, no, no, another thing about it, I think you guys lost to Green, you went to Green Bay and lost because I yeah you guys went to green bay cuz then i believe it was minnesota beat minnesota went to san francisco and lost in the playoffs that year so that's what happened there but look, i know i know that too cuz that was for a while that was my knock on the seahawks was the fact that they hadn't gone back to a conference championship since then, and there's a multiverse out there where the ball gets run, run, which I don't like going down for obvious reasons because my team was victorious, which uh, hey, uh. I, I have little to cheer about nowadays, okay? I have four wins to my merit this year. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, good um, job of beating Russell yesterday. Woo-hoo! Yes. I, I, that's, I take pride in that, not because I don't like Russ. It's because I have just... Do you have a team out there that you just you don't like? You don't say why? You just you don't like them? You know how certain people in this world, like you realize... You don't like them. It's just something about them. Gives off a weird vibe.
1: Well, if we take away Oregon and San Francisco for obvious reasons. God, you know, there's not necessarily, I think maybe the closest would be the Steelers and not even because of that Super Bowl way back when. I just think their fans are just a bunch of, ah, they're just so gross. Maybe the
0: Steelers. See, I have two and one is Super Bowl related. For me, it's the New York Giants and also next to of their fans, so believing in Daniel Jones. But the other one is the Denver Broncos. I've just I've, there's just something about them. I've never been a fan. So to beat the Denver Broncos, especially in Denver in a game they had the must-win and watching their fans comment on their Twitter feeds, you ruined my Christmas. Which for one, if if a football game result is ruining a holiday for you, seek help. But the fact that you've seen people tweet that, you kind of makes your Grinch heart grow a couple couple sizes. I know.
1: I'm not a big fan of when people say, oh, it's just a game. Well, I invested three-plus hours of my energy into that. But I do know it's not going to ruin any holiday. Yeah. It's not going to ruin anything like that. But, oh, I totally feel you on that.
0: Yeah, like I, I, like I get emotionally invested with every football game. But at the end of the day, I know, like I'm never going to be break something or – break ruin a tv or how do i even say this fight a fan mad i'm gonna be just you know you're disappointed you take one off the you take it off the chin and you move on and know that what they did on the field doesn't impact your day-to-day life and you move past it. that's right because then there's always
1: next week or next season or next year and that's the best part about being a sports fan you know what you can be pissed as all heck let it ruin your day if you want but uh It's the faithful ones that always come back next week, next year. They're your team. I am always going to love Seattle sports. And uh, even that pesky Mariners team that just doesn't seem to know what the heck they're doing. I will continue to go to games and support them. So that's what being sports fans all about.
0: Which I'll say this as well, because I was saying this to my fiance earlier today in the car, because of the Patriots in their last two games. I'm in a win-win situation because either they win some games and hey, you get to celebrate victories because there's nothing like a victory Monday in the NFL. Or they lose and they just continue their draft position. They keep, they keep a top five pick. So it's kind of in that like win-win scenario in these last couple weeks against the Bills and the Jets. So I just wanted to point that out. And then one other question I have for you, and we're going off the football merit for a second, because you've talked so much about all of the Seattle teams you liked. But where do you stand on the team with the creepy mascot and the Kraken? <laughs> Bowie. That's our boy, Bowie, up here. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't, I don't really know what they're doing with Bowie. Um, that's, that's kind of a weird one. I just go with it. Uh, Kraken are really struggling this year. Um, last year, they seemed to really put it on and they, they started off slow last year and they made a really, really nice push shoot beat Colorado in the playoffs last year and just so close against Dallas. Couldn't hold on. Uh you know, they just didn't do much in the off season. Uh they got that guy Yamamoto. Note everybody, I have only been watching hockey now. This is my 3rd year watching hockey. So, I'm still not quite up to par with all the players yet, but I know icing, I know why you get penalties and um all that stuff, but Yeah, Kraken are starting off slow. I'm hoping that they do what they did last year and they just seem to pick it up as the season goes on. Um, It sucks that the Vegas Golden Knights are in our division because they just seem like they're always really stinking good. Um, But, you know, they're still a young young franchise, third year. I know everyone's saying, oh, well, Vegas,
0: Vegas, Vegas. Yeah, well,
1: we're not Vegas. We're Seattle. Totally different. So uh, do I have faith that they can finally pick it up and get into the playoffs well of course i do uh not being biased because we saw it last year uh i like our coach i like hackstall um you know i think some of our guys are really really solid dudes um but i just need to see if i, I need to see a couple more years of crack and hockey before i can make any judgments of where we're going because first year was absolute crap second year started off bad finished good this year i'm hoping we'd what we did last year. So yeah. Bowie
0: though will keep you up. That is nightmare fuel, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. So my thing with the Kraken is, and also say this quickly too, for the foot the non-football, non-hockey people here about Vegas. So Vegas was in the same situation. Expansion team go to the cup final in their first year, and they just did not keep their, they didn't let their foot off the gas. They just kept going at it and going at it and going at it, making conference finals, firing coaches because they were underachieving just a little bit. And then last year, they did what no one thought they would do, and they won a cup in their first six years of existence. Meanwhile, with Seattle, it's a bit of a slower process because the first year didn't go to plan. Last year, you guys caught lightning in a bottle in the second half of the season, made the playoffs. Nearly went to the Western Conference Finals last year. And now it got it, it's kind of a comeback to earth moment, but there are some nice pieces there that I like, like Matty Bernier's, like Jared McCann. A couple solid pieces there as well but it's just you got to build that cohesion so it's going to take some time because that's the thing with hockey where you've got all these other good teams in your division you've got vegas you've got the la kings are in there the vancouver canucks have been really good this year edmonton's struggling but they'll be there san jose is bad anaheim is bad so give it some time but stick with the hockey stuff because that's my one true love and for any UW fans out there looking for a little stress reliever Monday night before Monday afternoon, I should say before shit hits the fan, the Winter Classic's in Seattle this year at T-Mobile Park with the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Seattle Kraken. So if you want a little, you know, just take your mind off football instead of watching Iowa versus Tennessee or Oregon versus Liberty, watch your Kraken take on the Golden Knights.
1: Yes, and as bad as I wanted to go to that, I just. Didn't make it happen, but I will be will be watching for sure. And boy, win or lose that game, cracking page is being flipped. Go dogs! And yeah, I don't know how what your target audience is. I don't know if you're more East. I, I'm sure you're you're very popular. You're you're all over the map here. But everybody, West Coast is the best coast now that's just me being biased but seriously seattle fans are so fun we are a very nice group of people up here we're proud of our you know historically kind of above average mediocre teams here i'm just so proud to have been born and raised in this area loved loved seeing what i saw from my dogs this year loved seeing everything in the pete Carroll era Mariners, well, you did good. Not this last year, but the year before. We're going to get our Sonics back. I might be 40 years old when it happens, but we're going to get them back. I don't know, man. Come on and visit Seattle. Go to Pike Place. Throw some fish. Put some gum on the gum wall. It's a good time up here.
0: We're we're an interesting bunch. (laughs) Well, folks, with that, I don't know if I told you what the episode number is for today, but this has been episode number 269, Now in the Bag. Hey, Think about that. Alex hey. was first on in the very early days, in the Skype days, because he even asked me, do you still do Skype? And I'm like, no. I <laughs> I, don't, I, I haven't recorded on Skype in like about a couple years because I was doing StreamYard for a while. And then the company I work for, Cryer Media, they let me use this wonderful platform called Restream, which gives us these wonderful Christmas graphics. If you're wondering, oh, why is the font in cursive? Because they still have the holiday format to their name. But anyway, guys. From Alex and I, we thank you for listening to this full Week 17 preview coming up this Thursday night. Stay tuned for that. But with that, guys, take care. And I'll let Alex end it with a famous, you going to say?
1: Well, there's a couple
0: things I can say.
1: Go Dodds, go Hawks. But for you old school fans, <clears throat> Edge is the best one TV. A. Larson's Wolfman signing out.